welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. On today's show, I'm joined by my two guest co-hosts, Jason Hinkle and Ron McElyer. Our discussion revolved around building friendships with Christians who aren't your age. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now, let's jump right into that conversation. What 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 is what do you think is the most difficult thing about age differences and and becoming uh, more close friends versus just acquaintances? I mean, what what is what is the the greatest uh, struggle with that, or the greatest thing that stands in the way of older men and younger men, in particular, since we're all men here, uh, becoming close friends and and not have that. Uh, dynamic of a gap in there, as as you would as you would call it, Jason. Well, I think that your peers, you know, people of the same age, that you have a tendency, obviously, to relate to them a little bit better. Um, you know, as a young person, they can talk about, well, when I this past weekend I went out and did this, or I went out and did that. But you're going to be a little bit more reluctant to do that with an older person. I think you know that was. I think, you know, in a sense, you have to look at friendship at an overall view. And they kind of, maybe an older friendship from a younger guy, and uh, friendship and overall have a lot of similarities. You know, some people don't want to become friends with other people due to self-centeredness or, you know, or and, and on the inverse, you know, low self-esteem. You know, a lot of people don't want to break out of their shell. So I think look, looking at the person first, you know, and seeing how they are at, at, as a person in friendship overall kind of dictates, you know, what they might seek in somebody if in the event that it were to come up, you could have a, a relationship with somebody who was older. Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot to me that that plays a part in there being a, a boundary or a difficulty in having friendships with people of different age is a perception more than a reality. You know, I think that that it's more about, like you said, uh, low self-confidence or whatever, uh, assuming that somebody of a, another generation is going to be um, either not understand us or be judgmental or be, you know, whatever. And so it, it may not be that individual may not be that way. Um, it's just a perception that we have of people of another generation that that they we, we overgeneralize, I guess we over generalize how people are going to be in another generation so and i think maybe to even contrast that just a little bit is the older person has a tendency to to understand the pitfalls that one might have you know in what you were describing because let's face reality they have experience they have been there and done that Mm -hmm. so that might you know cast in the favor of the young person and say well really he knows that i he knows where i've been Mm mm-hmm before you know and there's a little bit more understanding rather than judgmental that you might receive from your own peers Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point you know from a from an older man looking at it towards a younger man uh, believe it or not there's a a great deal of intimidation for an older man to try to think of himself as a friend of a younger man and not as a uh, a mentor or someone who's considered the 
the guru, and we used to use that term a long time ago. That's before your times, by the way, the <laughs> gurus and so forth. But it, it, I think the intimidation factor isn't uh, isn't related to maturity or wisdom. It's that the older man can remember what it was exactly like to have that energy level, to have that that ability to look out in front of you and see goals and see challenges and and having the ability to face those and get through them, whereas the older man realizes his deficiencies. He realizes what he failed at, what he wasn't able to do. So consequently, older men particularly would like to tell younger men, look, you have all this out in front of you. You have this wonderful, you know, future don't waste it don't waste it on things that i wasted it on don't get so concerned and so uptight over certain situations that you forget the real things the things that are most important and i think that makes an older man a little bit intimidated because he doesn't want to sound like he's always preaching and usually older men not always but most of the time they've had their own children or they have older children and as a parent and you guys know this as parents of younger children, you know, you're always trying to teach. You're always trying to keep them involved in things. And so older men see themselves still in that role, and so it's very difficult for them to look at younger men and say, I really want to get to know that person. I want, I want to be in that person's life as a friend, not as a, a wise old guru or something of that nature. And that's, that's a struggle that the older men have as much as the younger men have with the struggle you're talking about, Wes. And I've always wondered, like, I've always thought, if I had the ability to see myself through somebody else's eyes, would I take that opportunity? You know, if I could see myself through Ron's eyes and see me as he does, would I take that opportunity or would I be too afraid to? And frankly, I, I don't know that I would have the stomach to see myself through somebody else's eyes. I, I, I'm, like you said about self-confidence, Jason, that... that um, I think that sometimes when we are the same age as someone else, we think, well, they probably see me kind of as I see myself. But when it's someone of an older generation or even of a younger generation, we think, I don't know how they perceive me. I don't know, you know, if they're younger than me, do they see me as an old stick in the mud? I, I realize I'm the resident young guy, but but it amazes me how I'll go to the college campus and I think, yeah, these guys, I mean, I'm not that much older than they are. Um, you know, surely they still see me as a young young adult. Well, that's not true. And when I think back to the way I looked at 30-year-olds when I was in college, I, you know, I thought, you know, they are out of touch with where I am, you know. And so, and then when I realized that, then then I get all nervous and, you know, then I, I'm, I'm intimidated. But isn't it amazing how people just want to be liked? You know, people want to be Older folks, you know, they want younger folks to to think they're they're fun to be around, that they're enjoyable, that they like like being with them. Um, and, you know, and younger folks think the same way. And when an older person says, you know, I, I like spending time with you. Like, oh, really? You know, I mean, we we're we're terrified that that we're going to be rejected. And then when somebody's willing to have the courage to build a relationship across those generational barriers, um, it really it surprises us. But it's a pleasant surprise, I think most of the time i think it's interesting that in in almost every situation uh in any relationship um particularly 
older men and younger men, but even younger men and younger men and older men and older men, what always puts us in a frame of mind of wanting to associate or be friends with that person is finding commonality. Mm-hmm. What what makes us common with one another? What puts us in a common environment? And, and from a worldly standpoint, it's liking the same sports or liking to do the same things or, or, or you know, liking to read the same material or go to the same movies or whatever it may be. But from, from our vantage point, we should never – and this is the hard thing. It's easy to say this, but it's very – we should never be intimidated or intimidate others from the standpoint of our Christianity because we have something in common that the world will never have in common. We have something in common that sets us apart from everyone. And I think of Paul and Timothy. I mean, I know that, you know, Timothy was like a son to Paul, but I also know that they were very close friends. I know that Paul and Barnabas at one time were about the same age, but they were very close friends. You start looking at people and you start looking at their ages and what what brings every one of us in common in Christ is that in Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we fail to use that to to the benefit of both younger and older generations. Because older generations tend to think, well, those younger generations, they won't listen to me. They have their own minds made up, and you know, no matter what I say or what I do, they're gonna they're gonna continue with that. And yet, we should be thinking in terms of how can I relate to that person so that we are friends, and that the number one common thing with us is our love for the Lord. You know, and, and every 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 place where you could have a gathering of people. Where are you? I don't. I can't think of anywhere in particular other than the church, where you're going to have age gaps. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you're going to have a very fine mixture of age gaps from you know zero all the way up to a hundred. Some people might live to be a hundred more than a hundred mm-hmm. years old, but you know there's there's no other place that I can that I can think of where the the opportunity to build those kind of friendships are at. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, isn't it funny? Even within the church, it's very difficult to build friendships on spiritual things. Even for a preacher, that that is hard for me. It's easier for me to default to worldly things, and so I will try to relate to a person on on a worldly basis. And so I'll try to figure out what what do you like to do? You know, you like to hunt, you like to play golf, whatever. Even if I don't know anything about that, and that's one reason I'm intimidated by that relationship sometimes because. I exhaust my my knowledge about golf pretty quick, you know, or hunting or whatever. And so it's intimidating to be around. You two guys are hunters. And so it's intimidating for me to be around you guys because you know more about that subject than I do. And so when that subject comes up, I feel, you know, less masculine. I feel less a part of the, of the group of the conversation. Um, but it's still easier even that, even a subject I'm not real familiar with is still easier than spiritual things because then you feel like you're probing into somebody's private life because we we live in a culture that wants to so privatize our faith and our Christianity that we don't want to make that a part of our public discussion. And so 
you know, I'll sit around with Christian people and we run out of stuff to talk about pretty quick. But it's like, but you're avoiding the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is what brings you together. That's that's how you can have a relationship. That's what your fellowship is all about. Like you said, you know, that's that's why zero to 100 years old, we, we have this room full of people and what we have in common is Christ. And we, we sing about it. We all get together. We sing about it. And then as soon as we stop singing and we start going our separate ways, it's like, well, how about those cowboys? You know, and so we start talking about something else. You know that that is the great commonality. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to me to to watch um, older and younger men converse and relate. You know, we've all been in various environments, whether it be Bible classes or just you know fellowships, breakfasts, or things of that nature with with other men. And it's interesting to me to watch that when you get into a room with say even say twenty men you'll find these groups and they tend to group even by age. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a it's it's a, it's just a common thing to watch. And when one of them steps out of the group and goes into the other group, it becomes noticeable. I mean people are kinda like, what are they doing? you know. But what's interesting is the the tremendous encouragement and the the tremendous amount of benefit that you get from that is for both parties. I mean I, I, I absolutely um I, I crave being around younger men. And by younger, I'm not talking about, you know, five, six, seven-year-olds. I mean, I love my grandkids too, but I, and I love that age group. But I love being around mature young men who are trying to establish, you know, who they are, what am I supposed to be doing, how am I doing it, because we, you can relate. There's no way you can't relate, but we don't communicate that with Sometimes with our words, but often with our body language. You know, an older man, by his very nature, is not as straight-standing as a lot of the younger men are. So sometimes they, they look slouched, or they look they don't look like they're really interested, or their expressions on their face, a lot of times they don't hear every word you say. <laughs> so they have this expression like, I hope I read his lips correctly. But in, in, in essence, we, we do have this, this physiological gap but we should never have we should never have the psychological and mental gap because I don't know of any old older man I started to say old but that would be me but any older man that doesn't feel like he's still twenty mm-hmm. that doesn't in his mind think like that because that's what you remember most you remember being young and you remember being having a lot of vitality as you said Jason and and you remember the challenges and the goals that you set for yourself. And what happens is older men sometimes quit setting those goals. We need the younger men to help us with that, to realize there's still goals, there's still things that we can accomplish. And that's why I'm attracted to younger men. I mean, in the sense that they help spur me on, they help excite me, they help encourage me. And if we as older men Whatever we give back in that respect, whether it's a little bit of knowledge or a little bit of wisdom, and you put both of those together and you got completeness. Isn't that am- and, and it's an amazing thing to watch that happen. I think that growing up in smaller congregations and now being a part of a larger congregation, I think that it's more difficult for this to happen in a larger congregation because you have usually more options. Um of course, you don't have to fellowship or have friendships with anybody in the church if you don't want to. Um, you know, it's it, but even that is easier not to have relationships with people in the church in a bigger congregation because it's easy to slip in and slip out and just kind of you know 
just not not spend the time investing in relationships. But but even if you are going to invest in relationships in the church, it's very easy in a large congregation to gravitate towards, you know, the people your own age. And and our Bible classes are organized that way, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but but we have a tendency in a larger congregation to gravitate towards people our own age. And 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 so we miss out on the perspectives and the the thought processes and the mentoring both ways, both directions of the mentoring, Amen. Amen. Uh, both directions of the of the perspectives. And and so we miss out on that in the church when we segregate ourselves by age. And um, and you have to really be intentional about it. I think I think leadership has to be intentional about trying to break down those those barriers, but individual Christians, we've all got to be intentional about building relationships. When I was growing up in a small congregation, I mean, that was my only, the only people that, that were there to build relationships were, were older men. And, um, but they, they took me under their wing. Some of them were great mentors. Some of them probably not so much, but they were willing to, uh, they were willing to spend time with me. And I got to see faith in action. I got to see, you know, as a teenage boy working for several different older men and, and, and building relationships with them. It was absolutely priceless. I mean, that, that is what helped create and well, not create, but shape, um, my faith. And, and the application of my faith. Self-consciousness, I think that is one of the things that probably draws a, the biggest wedge between young and old, uh, this being self-conscious, being embarrassed, I'm going to say something that they're going to think is dumb or they're going to laugh at or later they're going to tell their friends, you won't believe what Wes said about mm-hmm. this or Jason said about this. And so this self-consciousness seems to be more prevalent in the younger men. I remember when I was more self-conscious around older people, I didn't want to say something that they would consider, uh, you know, not very bright. Mm-hmm. And, and and usually or typically, and I still do say things that aren't very bright. Uh, my wife reminds me of that quite often. But the older you get, you're less self-conscious and you become less embarrassed. It's not that you want to say dumb things or not be bright about what you say, it's that you begin to realize, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all, we, we're all, I've experienced what they're going through, so I know what they're going through, so I need to be probably much more flexible, much more vulnerable myself with them so that they know, look, I'm not going to try to judge you. I'm not going to try to, in some way, you know, tell you this is how it has to be or ought to be. Um what I'm going to try to do is be there, and I'll always try to give you the benefit of what I've experienced or what I know to be a true situation or the result of something. So often, we don't understand as younger men and even as older men the cause and effect. You know, behind every cause, there's an effect. As a younger man, I didn't always weigh out in front of me what that effect was going to be what's going to be the result of what i do today you know i'm challenged by this or that and i may say this to a person what's going to be the actual result of that whereas today i'm much more wary of the words i speak the actions that i take because i understand now that there's a greater cause and effect than i realize people are going to look to me just like and believe it or not they look to every man but young man too but for some reason, we don't recognize in our own selves that people are looking at us and saying, well, if he says that or does that, 
then he must not be worried about this. When in fact, I never even thought about this happening. I never thought about the result of what I was doing. And to me, that's what older, how older men influenced me. The, the men in my life, Wes, and I appreciate you bringing that out, when I was younger, particularly in the church, the men in my life helped me to see that, okay, there's a cause and effect. If you do this, if you do this and do this, and you're expecting something good from it, you're just way out in left field. Nothing's good's going to happen from that. Analyze it. Put it on the scales and weigh it. And when you do that, you'll find that if you'll do it this, this, and this way, then you'll get a good result. And how many times, you know, hunting, you get a good result from hunting if you understand your firearm and understand the animal and understand the circumstances that you're in. Any sport you can think of, football, baseball, you know, you can't go out there and just be a pitcher until you understand the cause and effect of it and how do I become a pitcher. It's called practice. So older men are practicing still more than younger men think they are. That That's kind of the way it's supposed to be in the church. I mean, we're supposed to be able to to look and see ourselves 20 years or 30 years or 40 years down the road, at any point in the church, we ought to be able to to look down. Well, I guess there comes a point where there's nobody to, to look forward to. But, uh, but you know, but we ought to be able to, as, as 20-year-old Christians or 30-year-old Christians or 40-year-old Christians or 50-year-old Christians, be able to look at those who've gone before us, both in in the living church, but also in the cloud of witnesses, as you will, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, so so we ought to be able to look and say, man, if I want those results, what do I need to do to be that kind of a man? You know, what do I need to do if I want to have that kind of a family? And sometimes we can learn that by observing, and other times we just have to ask. And man, that's hard. I mean, it is so hard to sit down. But sometimes sometimes you can you can hint at it, you know, and I mean you can you can figure things out without you know, having a formal type of a mm. program sort of thing where That's you right. say, okay, you know, Ron, come and teach me how to be a dad. Come and teach me how to be a father. Most of us aren't aren't that bold to to ask those questions, but we could say, hey, let me buy you lunch. And, and just as you talk and you think, wow, okay, yeah, he did that with his kids. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, and, and, and say, well, what did you do in a situation like that? And, you know, those kinds of relationships are what this church is supposed to be about. It's right. where we don't have to walk through this alone. We have each other to, to look to and to learn from and 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 our lives are not that unique. I mean, if I want to be a man like Ron or a man like, you know, any of our elders or any of our older men, you know, if I want a life like they have, I've got to do the similar things that they did when they were my age. And if I don't, if I don't plant the same things, I'm not going to harvest the same things. Amen. That's right. And, you know, when you're when you're seeking, like you said earlier, you know, coaching and, and mentoring, you know, from both parties, the younger and the older generation, you know, the the key to breaking any of those barriers down is, you know, um, transparency through authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if you don't have those two aspects, you know, then you're going back to, I'm just here for show. You know, I'm just speaking for show. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think society gets caught up in that so much, you know. Mm, that's right. We're caught up in, you know, you know, look at me rather than this is me. It's a good point. It's a good point. So when you when you put this together into some kind of coherent thought process, 
I think what I think the thing that probably sticks out in my mind as an older man with you two, I don't consider myself an old man, but as an older man to you two, what sticks out in my mind is how much we need each other, mm-hmm. how much we're dependent upon each other for the nurturing, for the encouragement, the exhortation that we both need. I cannot tell you, either one of you men, what it means to me personally when you all ask my opinion on something. That's the greatest honor I think any man can pay another man is to ask his opinion and his thoughts on something because that tells you I'm important to that person or they wouldn't be asking me. Mm-hmm. That person's important. And and it, it, it gives me chill bumps, and it should just literally humble us to realize we can influence one another. Young men can influence older men by just asking their opinion or thoughts on something. When I ask for opinions and thoughts from anyone, particularly younger men, it's got to be sincere. If I come across as gratuitous or just doing it, they're going to pick up on it right away. And so when I ask for thoughts or opinions, I'm doing that because I sincerely want to improve myself. I sincerely want to be a better man, no matter what age I am, mm-hmm. by asking those men, give me some thoughts. Give me some – and Wes did a great job this morning. I'm going to plug his sermon uh, You know, on, on that, that roadblock factor of you – know, being able to accept criticism or admonishment. I'd rather I really preferred admonishment, but I understood what you admonishment because older men sometimes have a hard time in accepting admonishment from younger men. But the converse is true too. Younger men say, Well, what does he know? He's just an old fuddy duddy. He doesn't know anything. So what we have to start doing is realizing we both bring something to the table. The Lord designed us as his church, to bring something to the table to benefit and help each other. And I love both of you men because that's what you do for me. You bring, you humble me, and yet you honor me any time you bring me into the equation of whether it's asking me my opinion or just bringing me, just because you want to be around me, which isn't often enough, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and I think that 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 hits the nail on the head because I think that we use too much of a us-and-them type of terminology when we talk about generational things it really shouldn't be it's 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 not a, a, a my generation and your generation it's not a uh, Jason and I are an us and you're a they it's it's us it's all of us We're, it's a we and so I, I think that we've got to learn to racially culturally Amen. nationally generationally we have to learn to see the body of Christ as an us Amen. i mean it it i don't want somebody asking my opinion because i'm a millennial you know i don't even know what that means you know i i mean i don't want somebody asking my opinion because i'm i come from kansas or i I'm, I'm of this generation or, or because i'm white or because i'm whatever i want them to ask my opinion because i'm west you know and right. um, i have unique experiences i have a unique set of knowledge i have a unique you know life whatever I mean, we are we're individuals, and then we make up the body of Christ, and so um, we we have to. I think when we make those overgeneralizations, and we say we 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 say things like, "Well, your generation is like this, and your generation is like that," and you know, and and there's all these studies. Well, understanding the millennial generation or the 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 boomer generation or uh, the Gen X or whatever, and and we're we're doing all of these studies and surveys, well, not everybody fits into that. And even if they do, it still widens the gap for me to make overgeneralization and say, well, Ron, 
people in your generation, yeah, you're pretty typical for people in your generation. Then it's like, then we're not on the same team. When I make statements like that, it, it, it widens it so that we're less likely to discuss things because it's like, well, he categorizes me in a category separate than himself. And that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is that we're all in this together. We're all in the same category, and that's Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, faith struggle. Most of the time, younger people, younger men, younger women, think the older ones have it all together. And, and well, they've been there, they've done that, they've experienced that. So they have. No, the faith struggle is alike for all of us in the sense that the devil's out there trying to get whomever he can. I mean, he doesn't make, he doesn't look at age. Mm-hmm. He looks at the individual and says, you know what? I bet if I do this, I can get Jason. But he may be using the same tactic on Ron, who's what twenty five years older than you, or whatever it is. He may be using That's the same tactic. <laughs> <laughs> he may be using the same tactic on Ron, and that should bring us together because together we can fight the one who's really trying to destroy our soul. Mm-hmm. Together, you know, uh, three strands are what or strong, mm-hmm. we have each other and the Lord, we can fight the devil. Separately, we can't. Separately, I don't care what age you are, you cannot out there all alone. It, it, it's just almost impossible. I don't know of anyone that can defeat Satan in that respect. So we need each other from a faith standpoint. And you think about all of the analogies of Scripture for the church, things like um, the flock and the body and uh, the temple that that every every Christian is a stone in the temple, and you, you think about all of those things. They're they're a collective. You know, it's not it's not the individual. So often we individual individualize our faith, uh, whereas it's about the body of Christ. And those of one generation bring a certain set of experiences and talents and abilities to the table, and those of another generation bring another set. But you know, it, it's interesting how the things that an individual brings to the table changes over time. I mean, there's so many Christians here at Baker Heights. Uh, there's one individual in particular I'm thinking of, uh, Bob McCoy, and and Bob is one of the sweetest, most loving, m- most faithful men I know. And I mean, it just almost brings him to tears that he can't do what he used to be able to do. There's so many men that fit in that category. But, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's on a walker and, you know, his, his health isn't all, doesn't always permit him to be here and those kind of things. And he wishes that he still had the youth and the vitality to do what he used to be able to do. But I keep telling him, Bob, what you do is so important because if you didn't do what you do, and by that, I mean, encourage me. It, he encourages me and gives me the strength to do what I do. And so everybody brings their own things to the table if they're willing to. But so often we take all the, all the talent that we have and we give it in other places rather than bringing it into, into the body of Christ and contributing to the flock, contributing to the temple, contributing to the body. Um, and it's so important that that every generation continues to pour those things into the body rather than saying, well, I gave, I, I served, I did what I needed to do, and now I'm busy in this time time of my life, or I'm too old to contribute anymore, or you know, I'm too tired, or I'm too weak, or whatever. You know, there's always something to to continue to contribute to the body. Amen. 
A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay, who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Um, um,